0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it is Wednesday Hump Day. That's right. It is Wednesday, which we know what that means. My ride or die crew knows what that means. It means that in the second half of this podcast, I'm going to be diving headfirst into the mailbag. You all had a lot of questions today. Rightfully so, some really good ones. I looked at some of them before I went live or recorded this podcast. So make sure you stay tuned. Don't leave early because you don't want to miss out on the mailbag segment. And today, I'm going to be talking about what could have been. What could have been. With the twenty twenty one Pittsburgh Steelers. And no, I'm not talking about well, if this player didn't get injured or this player wasn't on the COVID list, or no, I'm not talking. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say what could have been with the 2021 Steelers, it's how several, mainly four, four things happened, at least week two or earlier, that completely changed this team and completely changed the outcome of this season in a lot of ways. We're going to dive right into it. Before we get to that, as I always do, I want to make sure I give a shout out to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I run that website with Dave Schofield, and I tell you what, it is clicking on all cylinders right now. It's some great content, whether it's Dave's exit interviews, Kevin Smith's breakdowns. Uh, We've got Shannon White's got a good article coming up <clears throat> about the talent level on the Steelers. Uh, everything, latest breaking news, reserve contracts, futures contracts, we've got it all for you right there at one spot behind the On top of that, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you find us there. So if you're listening to this on the website, maybe you saw it on Twitter, on my Twitter feed, and you're like, man, I, this is actually pretty good stuff. Where do I hear more? Anywhere we get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so you don't miss a thing. And if you're a Spotify or an Apple podcast user, please, we ask you to not be a lazy bum and to give us a five-star review. It does help in terms of promoting our content. All right, let's get back to the task at hand here. A look back at what could have been with the 2021 Steelers. So, this all stemmed from, I don't know why I always feel like I need to tell you the origins and the genesis of my thoughts and podcasts. You probably really don't care, but it's kind of like how my brain works. I don't know if you're like that. Uh, sometimes I'll be sitting on the couch and all of a sudden I'll be thinking about something and I'll ask myself, "Where? why did I start thinking about that in the first place? And I kind of have to You know, walk myself back and then I remember. It's the same thing here. So as I'm talking about this on the podcast, I think to myself, where did this even come from? Like how did I start thinking about this topic? And it turned into a whole page of notes and all this other stuff. This started from my tweet, and I talked about this on my Monday podcast. If you haven't listened, check it out. About how Stefan Tuit and his potential return could be huge for this team in terms of how they handled the offseason. Sure, we know he's a great player if he's healthy physically and mentally. But, I mean, there, there's a lot to this. There's a lot of layers. And so I started to think about to it. And then I thought about another part of this offseason slash preseason slash training camp that happened, some other events that took place. And I started to kind of think to myself, this is these events that took place totally changed the outcome of this team in a lot of different ways. And so I thought to myself, let's do it Wednesday. Let's do the whole first segment on it. So that's what we're going to do. The first thing that happened. And we talked about it at nauseum on my podcast. I know others have done the same. The first thing, the first trigger, the first pebble in that stagnant water that causes that ripple effect was the salary cap decreasing. Because when you think about that, nothing else probably would have happened that I'm going to talk about, except for one. Except for one thing. Probably still would have happened. We'll get to it. So... Once the salary cap decreases, a lot of these other things, you know, happen. So we, a lot of fans forget that once the salary cap decreased, the Steelers had to make some cuts, and you knew you were going to have some dead money coming off the books, and it came in the form of Vince Williams and Steven Nelson. They just had no other way around it at that time, so they had to cut ties. They had to cut ties, but Vince Williams ended up coming back. He signed, I, I believe it was a one-year deal. He wanted to come back for one more run, and he lost out on a lot of money, because I, I want to say it was around five million that he ended up losing out on based on the fact that he uh, was cut and then came back and took a lesser contract. But that's the first thing that happened was that on the eve of training camp, Vince Williams goes and tells the team he's retiring. Think about when this happened. This was before training camp. Vince Williams calling it a career. Now, Vince Williams, who is normally a very vocal character on social media, in the news, has been completely mum on this the entire season. He chimed in and talked about how some of these plays, that, he talked about the receiving core, how they need to make more plays, that Antonio Brown would have made those plays, He jumped in to defend Devin Bush on Twitter in his play, but other than that, he hasn't said much. No one really knows why he even retired. Was it that he was, I don't know, getting back at the Steelers for releasing him? Was it that he didn't want to deal with another COVID season? I don't know. No one knows. I'm not going to speculate. But what I want to talk about today is that this is the first of four. When Vince Williams retired... Think about what happened afterwards. After Vince Williams says I'm done, 98 is no longer in the building. Now, Taco Charlton ended up wearing that jersey number, but that's neither here nor there. So, at that time, everyone thought, well, Robert Spillane's going to start. And even Vince Williams, I believe, responded to either our Behind the Steel Curtain account on Twitter, or it was Michael Beck, when the question was posed, is Robert Splaine good enough? To be that guy next to Devin Bush, and he said absolutely he is well throughout the preseason you quickly found out that he's not he's just not that type of player. so what do the Steelers have to do they have to go out and trade for Joe schobert if Vince Williams stays though let's say Vince Williams plays in 2022 2021 I'm sorry and he stays healthy they don't have to put Splain in a starting position they don't have to trade for Joe schobert. They don't have to send a six-round pick to Jacksonville. They don't have to take on his inflated contract. And when you think about the ramifications on the field, it's even more. But we'll get back to that. The second thing, David DeCastro's release. Now, David DeCastro, I'm assuming, and this is just an assumption based on what you've heard and, and people that have talked to DeCastro and he did some interviews shortly after he was released that the ankle injury that he's dealt with in 2020 just didn't get better. They were hoping it would. He was going to have to have another surgery. The Steelers could not afford, literally could not afford to wait, and so they had to cut him. And so they had to cut him. This took place, I believe it was earlier than training camp, but when you think about everything with David DeCastro, that money that it freed up, well, they could have possibly kept someone like Vince Williams or Steven Nelson, or maybe even offered Mike Hilton a contract. But when you just think about the ripple effect at that player from that player being released, well, if David DeCastro was healthy enough to play, I still do believe he would have played. I don't think they would have cut him. They would have had no need to bring in Trey Turner. And they would have actually had a leader on that offensive line, which needed that leader. Yeah, Trey Turner tried to do it, but if David DeCastro, who's been there, he's done that, drafted by the Steelers, really probably close with Ben Roethlisberger, it would have been optimal for him to be that guard and not Trey Turner. But that changed a lot of things when David DeCastro was released. Okay, the next thing that happened. Stefan Tuitts question we'll just put it that way hit the question mark that is stefan to 2021 season so when stefan Tuit's he's at training camp he's working out next to tj watt everyone's reporting it yep there's to just doing individual drills doing some running nothing crazy when you when you're reading this you're thinking okay he's just banged up just a little banged up you know starts on injured reserve okay this isn't abnormal there's other players zach banner anthony mcfarland uh they're on injured reserve as well to start the season and then four weeks go by, eight weeks go by, 12 weeks go by, the entire season goes by, Stefan Tuit remains on injured reserve. So you're telling me that a guy goes from practicing individually with TJ Watt to not playing at all. Now, I understand the mental aspect of things, and I'm not here to question that in any way, shape, or form. When you have a sibling that gets killed in a hit and run over the summer, it can have lingering effects. And I'm not here To say how anyone else should grieve and or heal emotionally. But when Stefan Tua doesn't play, it puts a ton of pressure on other players. We're talking about pressure that should not be on these players. I'm talking about a Chris Wormley. He's not supposed to start. Tyson Aluoglu, he's probably used to it. Henry Mondo, Isaiah Bugs, and especially rookie Isaiah Loudermilk. They're not supposed to be stepping up. They're supposed to be filling in. Meaning, Stefan Tut needs a break. All right, Laddermill, get in there. See what you got. Instead, he's being thrust into a position no one expected him to be in. So Stefan Tut him not being there puts a lot put a lot of pressure on the depth of this team. The fourth and the final thing that happened to the Steelers that that what could have been was Tyson Aluwalu's injury. When Tyson Aluwalu broke his leg, it put, I mean, it turned a team strength, which was their depth along the odd defensive line, and turned it into a glaring weakness. Because now, what did I just say about Stefan Toit? It put pressure on a player like Aluwalu. It put pressure on Wormley. Now you lose Aluwalu. He's out of the picture. Wormley's thrust into a position he shouldn't be in. It's not where he's gonna thrive at least that he didn't play horribly. And now you're putting players like Loudermilk, Milk Bugs and Mondo, and they're playing way more than you ever thought they would. And you're thinking, Carlos Davis can step into that role. No, he can't. He's on injured reserve too. So you had just this constant domino effect of one after the other after the other, especially with this Stefan Tua Tyson Aluwalu situation and it got bad. So let's go back. The four things, when you think about what it meant for the Steelers in 2021, you can see how big these events were. And it makes you wonder if things would have just been different, what would it have done for this team? If things would have gone just a little bit differently, would it have made an impact in 2021? And to be honest with you, I think it would have. Would it have equated to a Super Bowl run? Probably not. Would it have made a really big difference in a lot of ways? You bet. Let's talk about it. If Vince Williams doesn't retire and he plays alongside Devin Bush, Robert Spillane and Ulysses Gilbert III are the depth at inside linebacker. You have that thumper next to Devin Bush. Devin Bush now is a little bit freer to go and do some of the things that we all want to see him do. On top of that, Devin Bush is not going to have the pressure on him to be both the run-stuffer and the athletic sideline-to-sideline player. Plain and simple, the run defense in the inside linebacker core would have been markedly better. I don't need to remind you, the Steelers finished dead last, 32nd out of 32 teams in rush defense this season. The David DeCastro release. It would have definitely helped in pass protection. DeCastro might not have been able to pull the way that he once did and show off the athleticism and his ability to lead block as he pulls and just levels other players. I'll never forget some of those crazy collisions that he and Vontez Berfecht had back in 2015. Um, and even after that, but still, pass protection especially would have been a lot different, and so would have the leadership of that group. It would have been DeCastro, the one that's kind of getting everyone together, getting making sure you're on the right page. He would have been a very valuable piece in the ear of Kendrick Green or J.C. Hassenauer at center. Would have made a big difference along the offensive line. Step on to it. We talked about it, but Stephon Tuitt think about what he in his presence would have been for this defense. TJ Watt had 22 and a half sacks playing against the playing alongside in their Steelers defense alongside the likes of Chris Wormley, Isaiah Loudermilk, Henry Mondo. I mean they're great and they they serve their purpose, but it's not Stephon Tuitt. If Stephon Tuitt's in there, he cannot or the offensive line, cannot focus solely on T.J. Watt. And instead, T.J. Watt's going to get more one-on-ones. He's going to be more productive. But Stephon Tewitt, by himself, if he's healthy, is going to be is going to help improve the run defense. And he's also going to bring a pass-rushing element the Steelers did not have at that position. Now, Cam Hayward did finish with double-digit sacks this season, which is tremendous. His second time doing that in his career. But Tewitt brings a different element. A different element that defense would have looked different a lot different and then lastly you look at tyson alawalu's injury the not only the run defense but his versatility the ability to play the nose so maybe Montravius adams would have never been acquired if tyson alawalu was actually healthy um you know it, it him being there doesn't re, doesn't result in the depth of the defensive line being absolutely decimated absolutely gutted and that's exactly what happened and so when I think about all this in the grand scheme, especially, it's not going to fix the offense. Like I'm not here to to say that the, this these four things, mainly on the defensive side of the football, would have somehow fixed the offense. David DeCastro would have helped, but he's not going to be a cure all for the issues that offense had. But on defense absolutely it would have made a difference. Vince Williams, Stephon Tuitt, Tyson Alualu. Now, all of a sudden, that run defense is not going to be 32nd. They might not be top 10, but they're probably going to be like a middle of the road. And when you think about the defense, the past defense finished ninth in the regular season. You give them a middle of the road defense in terms of stopping the run. And suddenly, that defense looks a whole lot more formidable than it did what we saw in 2021. My, what could have been. That's what I think. I think about Vince Williams especially. That that inside linebacker core would have looked vastly different if he was in there, even for just one season. And then I think about that defensive front with Tua and Oluwalu. Al- Thankfully, there's a chance that we see that next season. Uh, Vince Williams is not coming back. They have uh, some major questions to answer there, but still. It just makes me wonder... What would have happened? What could have happened? Well, we'll never know. But it's fun to talk about in the offseason. What else is fun is answering your questions in the mailbag. So stay tuned. I'll be back. Answer your questions.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this Let's Ride podcast. It is Wednesday. It is Hump Day. That means that it is time for the mailbag. So I put out the tweet, and you follow me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday, this was at. Let me look at the timestamp. Twelve twenty-four. I just sent out a tweet. It said, "Okay, Rider Die Crew, you know the drill." Give me those questions. I've been using Jim Gary, Jim Carrey gifts, and so last week I used one from Dumb and Dumber. This week was one of my favorite movies from Ace Ventura. We'll be talking about that because Dave Schofield had a comment slash question about it. So let's get things started. British Owen David, he asked uh, two questions. He said, number one, given how the Chiefs, Bills, Rams, Bengals play offensively, what do the Steelers need to do to get their offense somewhere close to these teams? Hashtag ride or die crew forever. Okay. I don't think – to get to that level, you have to have not only the athletes and the players, you need to have the scheme. And the question and the issue that Steelers fans have is we don't know if Matt Canada is capable of that scheme. Now, if you listen to Jeffrey Benedict's Cutting Room Floor uh, on Tuesday, which make sure you do. I really enjoyed this episode. He went over the coaching staff of the Steelers on offense And he spent the entire second half of his podcast on Matt Canada. And he swears, and he knows more about the X's and O's than I do, that Matt Canada's system can and will work. How do we know this? Because it's the same system that Buffalo runs. And if they can just find the athletes and the players to get the system in place, it will succeed. So I'm going to lean on him and say that they can, but they have some work to do. Second question from uh, Owen. He said, sorry to cheat. But wouldn't the Steelers be better getting a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, someone like Carson Strong, so we have cap space to build, plus we have someone to mold to what we want a franchise quarterback to be? For me, I look at Mason Rudolph who will have, I believe, a 4 million dollar cap hit in 2022. The rest of that cap space, if it's coming to br- if it's going to bring in a-, a quarterback, it's not going to be a high profile name. I do think that they should look at drafting a quarterback if there's someone they really like, and I don't think it should be the 20th pick. A, a quarterback that might be a second-round pick that you're thinking, okay, this guy might need a couple years, but we have a plan in place for a couple years for them to take over. If you have that type of quarterback, then I think that you're you're good. If not, I say get the other, rest of the team, build up, and then shoot it for 2023 to find that quarterback. Brian Haynes, he has several questions. His first, his last one, it's on a scale from 1 to 10. How bad would it be if Ben came back and we drafted a first-round quarterback to pick his brain and study behind him? Hashtag ride die crew. Um, On a scale from 1 to 10, um, how bad would it be? I don't know. Is 10 bad? Is 1 not bad? I'll say 5. I'll play it easy. Play the middle of the road. All right, shooter McGavin, Steelers four eighty. He says people might not like it, but shouldn't they be looking to trade one to two wide receivers while they still have value? They won't have a quality quarterback to get them the ball consistently anyway. Gain draft capital, speed up the rebuilding process, give Canada the personnel he wants since he stays. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm sure that the Steelers would be open to trading any, maybe some players. But my gosh, when you look at that roster without the the uh, you know UFA's unrestricted free agents, it is it's bare. It is bare, and even at wide receiver, it is bare. Raven McCloud's a free agent, going to be a free agent. Juju's going to be a free agent. Uh, we know that James Washington's going to be a free agent. So when you look at that, I'm not sure I would trade away any wide receivers. Just being honest, I understand your point, but I wouldn't trade a wide receiver. If there's another trade that they can make to gain draft capital, I'm all for it. MDivs24 says, which kicker did you enjoy more, Sweesham grabbing a Raven or Reed grabbing paper towel dispensers? Uh, Sweesham's time in Pittsburgh was very short-lived. I loved the, the, the fact that he kind of – you know, I saw a lot of him in Washington when he played for the Redskins, and, yes, they were the Redskins then, Um he was, he was run out of town, and I love the fact that Pittsburgh picked him up and he was, kind of, he was able to make a name for himself. But I also love Jeff Reed, some great playoff memories with him. I'll go with Jeff Reed, even with his crazy hair, even with the sheets issues and the paper towel dispensers. I'll take Skippy Reed. Cheeseball10 asks, What does the future for Mike Tomlin look like? With a big-name coach like Sean Payton retiring, does Tomlin's future in football last much longer or do we see him step away at a younger than average age? I don't know what a younger than average age is. Uh, but I can say that I think that Mike Tomlin is going to have the same leeway that Bill Cowher did. And that is he'll coach until he doesn't want to coach anymore. And so the Steelers, unless barring something crazy happening, he kind of has the lay of the land, and, and they're going to keep him as long as he wants to stay. I think that there will come a time, though, when Mike Tomlin says that maybe maybe the message is getting stale, or maybe the job isn't as enticing as it once was, and I don't know what he'll do after that, but I think he's going to stick around for a little bit, to put it that way. I don't think he's going to do what Sean Payton did and step away, even though I think Mike Tomlin would also be great on television, but I, that's neither here nor there. Evan Savage says, Butler alluded to, to a larger possibility that Tua will not return to football. If that's the case, where does the defensive line jump in terms of off-season needs? For me, it would be in the top ten. Uh, that's a lot. I mean, but it wouldn't make top five quite yet. You just spent a draft pick on, uh, on Isaiah Loudermilk. I wouldn't want to have to go back and do that quite as early unless it's a must, can't miss prospect. So for me. I hope that to it returns, if not, that I would actually, to be completely honest with you, I wouldn't look to draft, I would look to free agency to fill that void. Brian Haynes, he says, uh, he's, he gives me a gift choice uh, for the mailbag, since without Shooter, he he loved, he obviously, he likes uh, he likes Ace Ventura, and it's a funny gift of, well, we'll just say when uh, Ray Finkel and Einhorn become one, we'll put it that way. <laughs> If you know the movie, you know what I'm talking about. All right, so uh, I'm not believe in the Cavs. Oh, my gosh. Come on, man. The believers, I'm going to call it from now on. He says, is there anyone specific you have your eye on in free agency this offseason? Hashtag ride or die crew. No, not yet. I'm not there yet. Getting there. The new league year starts on March 16th. We have some time after the Super Bowl is when I'll really start to laser focus on some of these free agents. Daily Joint Company says, hey, Jeff, bit of a weird one. Do you think players not going to Latrobe for the last two seasons has had any noticeable effects on players? I don't think it's a be-all, end-all to go there, but from a fan's perspective, this last season especially looked like they didn't have that team dynamic. I could be totally wrong. But there's something about Latrobe that brings the players together and cultivates that Steelers' way. And with the unsatisfactory sophomore class who have never been there, I wonder if it could help bring the team all the closer together. So I agree with you. I've said this on this show before that I think this team needs Latrobe. They need St. Vincent College. It does kind of bother me that the Steelers have said that if there's not going to be fans allowed, which. My at this point in time, I mean, you just had an entire season where you had people in Hinesfield. Why can we not? Why could fans not go to La Trobe? So I would expect them to go back. But the the Steelers have said, if there's not going to be fans there, then we are not going to, um, then we're not going to go. We're going to stay in Pittsburgh if they can't have fans there. I don't like that. I would almost want Mike Tomlin to say, whether there's fans there or not, we'll be there. Because that would mean that there's some value to it outside of the fans getting to get autographs and be around the players and stuff like that. So I hope they go back. I really do. Because I do think there is something missing that is cultivated there. Okay, Brian Haynes asked a few more. He said, do you feel like Terrell Austin is going to be the new defensive coordinator or will it be an outside hire? I think right now Austin has the inside edge, but that does not mean he's going to get the job. I want to make that very clear. He has the inside edge. That's not a guarantee he's going to get the job. Brian S. another one. How many new position players will the Steelers have on the offensive line? Green to guard would be one. Okay, so you see new players and new positions along the offensive line. Well, I think Dan Moore is going to stay at left tackle. I'd be shocked if he moves, but I could be wrong, but I'm going to keep him there, so that's not going to be a new player. Uh, I think Kevin Dotson is going to be back at left guard, so I don't see any new one, new. Players there. I do think they're going to try to find a center. So that would be one. Right guard's going to have to be replaced, whether that's with Green or someone else. That would be two, because I don't think Trey is going to be back. And then right tackle, I don't see Chukz for coming back. So I'm going to say three. That's my number three. Brian asks, will Juju be a Steeler in 2022? I have a better feeling about Juju Smith-Schuster returning now than I did prior to 2021. I didn't like the deal that he signed in 2021. I thought it was a little too rich for the way that they've been using him. I think they have a better feel with the, the offense the way that it is. I think that he fits in well. I'm hoping he's back. We'll put it that way. David says, will we see the return of the after party this offseason? So the, the after party, he's reter- referring to a, a post-podcast show that myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis did. Uh, we always do it in the off-season at times. Typically, we do that in the off-season. I mean, well, it is the off-season, but I meant in the summer. So we'll see. I'll talk to the guys and see what, what we at, what we can do. And he said, also, as if so, you guys need to do a live show at the Beehive during training camp. I'm not going anywhere near the Beehive at all, ever. So I'm not doing that. If they want to, they can go ahead and host it from there. That's <laughs> that's funny. Southside Docs says, probably too late, you're not. But with the rumors of the outside defensive coordinator request, will Tomlin take a backseat to play calling? This is something that Mark Caballi brought up on Twitter, He and I, I agree with him 100%. He said, I would love to see or hear about the intricacies of this play calling. He said, because when you watch the games and you watch closely from the sidelines or on the sidelines, you never saw Mike Tomlin with any laminated sheet, a call-in sheet. You never saw anything like that. Um at all until the Ravens game when Keith Butler wasn't there. And then he had it so that he could call on the plays or Tara lost and could whatever. That's interesting. And I've noticed that too. Mike Tomlin does not carry around any paper or sheet or anything like that, not even as a reference. So I'm going to put a, I'm going to try to pump the brakes a little bit on this play calling thing. Aiden Blaine says, including the addition of the free agents and rookies, what do you predict the Steelers starting offensive line will look like next year? Hashtag crew. Okay, so I kind of talked about this a few questions ago. I do think Dan Moore's back, obviously, second year player. Kendra, Kevin Dotson will be back, third year player. I do think they're going to try to bring in another center. Now, if they fail, is it JC now or is it Kendrick Green? I don't know. But I, I think they're going to bring in another center. Right guard. If you bring in another center, I think you give Kendrick Green, J.C. Hassenauer even a chance to compete at guard. And then I think that you bring in another right tackle. When I say you bring in, that could be either a free agent or it could even be a draft pick. So that's my pick is the three right side the center, right guard, and right tackle will all be new. And I think if they can hit on a couple free agents, that group should be okay. Corey Eckenroth says, what do you think are the chances that the Steelers move down to the end of the first round to accumulate picks since there are so many holes to fill on the roster? Best player available at 20 doesn't make a whole lot of sense and targeting a specific position could backfire. Hashtag crew. So Corey, I always have to say this every year, every off season that whenever someone talks about a trade, so in this case, trading back and getting more picks you have to have a team that's behind you that wants to move up or move into the first round again. And that doesn't always happen. People value their picks. They really, really do. And so if the Steelers had someone, I don't know what team, let's say uh, the Buffalo Bills. Okay, their season just ended. They might be around pick 24, 25, whatever. So if the Buffalo Bills... They come in and they say, hey, Pittsburgh, we want to make a trade. We want pick 20. There's a player that we really, really want. We will give you our first round pick. So the Steelers would move from 20 to 25. And then also we'll give you an extra third round pick. Um, they, maybe they have a compensatory pick that they can trade. I think the Steelers would make that move unless there's a player that they really, really like at 20. So, think back to last season. They weren't trading out of 24 no matter what. They were taking Najee Harris because they wanted Najee Harris. That's the guy they wanted, and they weren't going to let him go. So, there's a lot of layers to this, Corey. It's not really just as cut and dry as some might make it believe. All right. Thomas says If you had your pick of offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and head coach, who? what pick would you have over oh, here? Who would you pick if you could have anyone? Hashtag Okay. Head coach. Defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. I'm assuming you're talking about coaches that are in the league now or if they were ever in the league. I don't know. Um, defensive coordinator, we'll do all time. We can do, we'll do. we just do whoever I want. All right, defensive coordinator, I've always loved Dick LeBeau, so I'm going to go Dick LeBeau on, on defense. On offense, um, I would go with someone like Andy Reid, even though he's technically a head coach. He's also like that offensive mind that I love. I love his style of offense. And as a head coach, if I'm not going to take, you know, someone from the Steelers, I, you know, I'm going to take someone. I'm going to take Bill Cowher. I always loved Bill Cowher. Nothing against Mike Tomlin. Bill Cowher was my kind of coach, and he was also the coach of my youth. And so for me, the chin, the spit, the pump, the fired up, I love that emotion. Nell's. Let's hear a folk doll. I hope I said that correctly. He said, would you rather take a lineman or wide receiver slash defensive back in the first round? I don't think the Steelers need to take a wide receiver in round one a Lineman or a DB. If the DB is a guy that you think is a shutdown, shutdown corner and you're not sold so much on the, uh, <clears throat> the linemen that are still available, then by all means take the defensive back. They need a defensive back. Defensive back, cornerback is a top five need, in my opinion. But that, they need to improve the trenches big time. So I would also lean towards taking alignment. Okay, I'm not even going to try to say DJ Roca. We'll put it that way. He says, formerly known as El Dutrino and Room Temp Mulligan. Those names were better. He said, Jeff, for a franchise that's been a staple of head and facial hair for so long. <laughs> With the likes of Kevin Green... Troy Polamalu and Brett Kiesel, don't you think it's a little sad to see all this baldness taking over the coaching staff? And he has pictures of Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Terrell Austin. They're all a little short on top. They do have some facial hair, though, some scruff. That's kind of the look that I'm rocking, so I'm not going to say anything. I think they look great. Alex, uh, he says he asked these interviews for D.C., defensive coordinator, are for real or just a smokescreen uh, for Terrell Austin to be elevated to the defensive coordinator. For me, look, listen, everyone wants to bring up the, the, the Rooney rule. Oh, these guys are just filling, checking a box. Okay. At first, I don't think that's what they're doing. They do have to fill a quota, but Mike Tomlin, everyone says he was a product of the Rooney rule. Well, sure. They had to interview a minority candidate. And guess what? The minority candidate went in and won the job. So anytime these interviews are happening... If they actually are sitting in on an interview, these requests that they're putting out for coaches, if they're getting them, they're saying, yeah, you can go interview for that job. If they get that to sit down and they want that job, then they can get that job if they win that interview. Keep that in mind. Austin Tibbs says, Ideal quarterback situation, keep the three we have under contract. Load up around them and give them a legit shot with a competent supporting cast, agree or disagree. So you're talking about Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and Joshua Dobbs. I'm fine with keeping those three. And then, yes, use your cap space this year to build up the rest of the roster. And if those quarterbacks can't get the job done, you'll know it. And then after the 2022 season, Mason Rudolph will be a free agent. Haskins, you can take or leave, and then you'll be able to move on. So I think the Steelers, if they choose to do that, I, I wouldn't be upset. I would not be upset. I still think they could go out and get someone, but I wouldn't be upset. So Dave Schofield, he asked uh, based on the uh, the gift that I used, there's a you know, it's obviously Ace Ventura, and uh, Einhorn is there. He said, on the right, is that Finkel or Einhorn? It's a great movie. If you all don't like Ace Ventura, I've never seen it, go check it out. Haskins QB1. Oh, he said QB one, not QB two anymore. He said, "Hey, Jeff, why do you think Omar Khan isn't getting hired anywhere? And who would be a good outside candidate? For defensive coordinator, hashtag ride or die crew. I don't know the coaches in this league well enough to give you a legitimate defensive coordinator suggestion. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, um, we'll go with this guy because it's a name I know. I'm not going to do that. So I don't know the defensive coordinator stuff. As for Omar Khan, I've always felt that Omar Khan, from what I've heard and read, he's more of like the salary cap guru type guy. Not that he can't acquire talent, but it seems like that's what the Steelers use him the most for. And when you want a general manager, you want someone that can do it all. And so maybe right now he can't do it all. So we'll see. We'll see how it p- plays out. Could work out in the Steelers' favor. Joshua, I guess it's it's model. I, I hope I said that correctly. He said, are we in a rebuild? If not, why not go big for a quarterback, whatever that looks like? I think the Steelers are in a rebuild, and I think they've been in a rebuild for almost two seasons now. And um, I think that, like I said, use the cap space available to bolster the lineup. Get the quarterbacks that you think might possibly be able to make a difference. Maybe they get hot, they prove you wrong, and you can really be competitive. But otherwise, this rebuild could be really short if they do a great job in free agency and they do a great job in the draft. Because this is salary cap space the Steelers typically do not have, folks. Keep that in mind. So if they hit on some free agents, and they also hit on some draft picks, the Steelers could be just fine in a couple years. And when I say just fine, I mean a competitor. I mean a Super Bowl contending team. A lot has to fall into place, but it could happen. Ben says, speak some sense into Steelers Nation on why Marcus Mariota would be a great fit for the black and gold. Also, what are the odds do you think the Steelers will get him? Hashtag ride or die crew. Hashtag Mariota steel steel mill. Love that. So uh, the Marcus Mariota thing is something I've been talking about a, a while. I brought it up during the season with Michael Beck, and it's something that you know. I, the more I kind of look into it, the more it kind of makes sense. You know, Marcus Mariota played in Las Vegas for three and a half million dollars a year. Uh, so that's it. Uh, will he expect more? I don't know. Would the Steelers be willing to give him more? Yeah, sure. On a two-year deal. Okay. We'll sign you for two years eight million, eight and a half, whatever. That's fine. You got a good quarterback that is capable. Again, he has the pedigree. We're talking about a first round draft pick. He's got experience, former starter for Tennessee, filled in nicely for the Raiders when necessary. He's mobile which is something Mike Tomlin has specifically talked about that he likes in his quarterbacks. And he is used to those run pass options as RPOs that Matt Canada loves to use. He's also a really intelligent football player. So Marcus Mariota could be a guy that if you want to bring in someone, that's not going to cost you a lot of money. It's not going to mortgage the future financially. Then Marcus Mariota is your guy. And if Mason Rudolph wins the job, he wins the job. But Mariota could be a really good competitor and he could be exactly what this offense wants in terms of the quarterback. Not to mention, if you draft a quarterback, whether it's someone like Ritter from Cincinnati or Howe from North Carolina, they could probably learn a lot from Mariota if he's the starter for a couple years and then they take over. Kind of like a bridge quarterback. All right, last question here. Jeff, what are the odds next year that Mason starts the season and Dwayne finishes? If Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins are one and two, they don't. there's no one else brought in, like Mariota doesn't come in, no one else is really there, then I think that it's going to be literally a toss-up. They're going to say who does the best, and Mason's going to get every shot at that first position, the starter. And then it's, it would be up to Mason failing and Dwayne Haskins playing well enough that they have faith in him coming in and getting the job done. That's just what I think. All right, folks, you all did a great job. As always, did a great job. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at jhartman, Hartman, underscore P I T. And every Tuesday, you'll see that tweet, uh, probably with a Jim Carrey gif uh, about the upcoming mailbag segment. So make sure you join us. As we always uh, remind you, behindthesteelcurtain.com should be your one stop shop for all things Steelers. And wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow so that you don't miss a thing. That does it for me, folks. I'll be back on Friday with Blue Check back. In the meantime, have a great rest of your week as we always finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go
2: those dealers. Step into the world of power, loyalty,